You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Veach Season. Oh, my gosh, we are getting so close, you guys. Just a couple of weeks between now and the NFL draft at Union Station in Kansas City. Holy moly, guacamole. I am I am getting hair standing up on the back of my head just thinking about the excitement of it all and seeing Union Station lit up in red and thousands and thousands of our Titus Chiefs Kingdom homies all there to, to cheer on the Chiefs as they build their team for the future. It's an exciting time to be alive, Chiefs Kingdom. And uh, I'm Rocky Magana, your host of each season, as always. Joined by my number numero uno compadre, the Price is Right Carter. How we doing tonight, brother? I'm doing great. Uh, I was actually just downtown a little bit ago, and you cannot get anywhere near Union Station, like geographically, really, as far as like the front goes. Obviously, you can get into the actual Union Station itself, but the stage, you know, you see the the Facebook posts and the tweets and stuff about how big the stage is, but like, holy cow. Or like building a building as big as Union Station for the stage. So it, it's really going to be a spectacle. It's really exciting. I, I think that just between seeing what the draft has been for the last two years for the Chiefs and then having it here in Kansas City after a Super Bowl, it's just like building this like hype train that's just going to be so exciting and so fun. Um, and I, it's a great time to be a Chiefs fan. There's just like no other conclusion. We are the kings of the league right now. And so it's only fitting that we have the largest screen in NFL history being built right now at Union Station for the NFL draft. This is, like you said, it is what a time to be alive. We are living in the future, Price Carter. And uh, speaking of the future, we've brought back one of our wide receivers from last year and our Super Bowl winning team to play for us for the next two seasons. The, the, the Brainiac himself, the Ivy League, wide receiver justin watson comes back on a two-year deal that shakes out to just around four million dollars over two years what do you think about this deal are you happy to have watson back in the back on the squad yeah i mean I, it, it was kind of one of those things that felt like an inevitability like there was a strong likelihood of it adding richie james and justin watson to me feels like if there was any chance obviously the odell beckham jr thing's not happening anymore but the DeAndre Hopkins thing feels even less likely now. It feels like they've got their bodies right. I feel like Richie James, Justin Watson, Marcos Feldes-Scantling, Sky Moore, a rookie wide receiver um, in the draft. That feels, and then, you know, your your favorite Ross, that, that pretty much feels like the room. And like always, the wide receiver five and six, those fringe guys in the wide receiver core, it's going to come down to how well do they play on the field and how well do they play special teams. You know, for someone like Justin Ross, who's not a big special teamer, he's going to have to really show a lot on the field to kind of like keep that value. But Justin Watson, it has been a, a participant in special teams and has added, you know, value there. 
and obviously he was a pretty good little pass catcher for them. So I I know uh, Brett Veach has really liked Justin Watson. He liked him in the draft process. Uh, that was a player that he had his eyes on when he came out. So I was glad to see that they brought a player back who's familiar with the system. This just raises the floor of the room. And like I said, kind of closes the door on the uh, DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes, I feel. I think 100% closed the door on the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. I think it closes the door before I ever really opened on the Allen Robinson sweepstakes and really for any other fill-in-the-blank veteran wide receiver sweepstakes. Because right now what we're looking at, as far as our wide receiver room goes, what the production we're trying to replace over last year, we're just sitting here looking for somebody to replace what Juju did. Um, and are we going to get that in a rookie? Maybe, maybe not. But we don't have to go out and get a, a DeAndre Hopkins. We don't have to go out and get a, you know, a Mike Evans after the after the June 1 deadline anymore. Could we? Would that be awesome? Would it be sweet if it makes financial sense? Sure. But I, I think that you're right. I think round two or three, probably round two is probably when the Chiefs are going to start looking for a wide receiver. And I think that there's great value there. And I think they can get a really exciting player at that at that at that point to really round out the room. Uh, what what about you? When do you think the Chiefs might be looking at wide receiver now with Justin Watson back in the mix? Knowing how the Chiefs are when it comes to wide receiver, I feel like they have their players and they'll make their move for their players. I feel like it's more about their consensus and their evaluation about a player and less about the where it is on the board. Like for instance, the Sky Moore pick was the only pick that Brett Beach has ever traded down in his time as a general manager for the chiefs that to me feels like they really liked sky more and knew that where the consensus was on them and were able to move down and still go get them. Likewise, if they're Quentin Johnston or bus, you know, they could possibly move up to go get them. Or if they feel like, Hey, we want to trade down because we're all in on Mingo or Cedric Tillman or whoever your player is, you know, maybe they think that Michael Wilson can stay healthy. He's a player that if he can stay healthy, his stock is insanely high. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I, I definitely would be shocked if we came out of this whole process and there wasn't at least a day one or day two pick used on wide receiver. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I think it's probably going to be day two, like I said. Um, but I think that you're 100% on target when you say the Chiefs have their guys, they have their board. Their board has been set in stone, I think, for weeks now, and they trust their evaluations. And they're going to see how the draft falls. And then they're going to find the pocket where the guy that they want. And then they're going to make sure that they're within that pocket to take him. Um, so with that being said, talking about guys that the Chiefs might take, Chiefs brought in another round of guys for top 30 visits this week. Um, one of them's kind of a been a pretty big name in the, in the pre-draft process. And it's got a little bit of buzz in our in our Arrowhead Pride circle of writers. And, and podcasters, we've talked a little bit about him on the site. Um, Jalen Duncan, the the left tackle out of Maryland, um, very very big, athletic guy, could use could stand to put on some 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 weight and some muscle. Um, gets out over his skis a little bit at times. I think that he lunges more than actually setting and um, and punching. His punch timing is a little off, but he has all the upside in the world. I think from an offensive tackle standpoint, um, what's your take on Jalen Duncan? Well, he was a name that I was glad to see the chiefs be in on. Um, I think that this is the type of swing that makes a lot of sense for the chiefs. I think given, and you know, we've had this discourse on here before 
no matter what happens in the draft, the Chiefs will have a good offensive line this year. I feel like if you take Jalen Duncan and you bet on his athletic profile, which was one of his strengths, he is raw. He does need development. There are some technique things there that need to grow. But if you take him and plug him in at left tackle where he's played predominantly and have the rest of the offensive line in in place and let him grow and develop, I think there would be some growing pains in the beginning of the season. But I think that's, a you know, his upside and his potential as far as where he is as a player and the things that he does well with pass blocking is a worthwhile gamble, especially whenever you consider he's got Joe Tooney next to him, who, you know, is a left tackle's best friend. And I, I would liken it a little bit to Orlando Brown. Obviously, Orlando Brown's a better left tackle than Jalen Duncan right now. Um, but Orlando Brown had his weaknesses. He got beat on the outside, and that, that was something that was a known weakness for him. Andy Reid can scheme around those type of things. It's where you start getting two or three weaknesses. You put Juwan Taylor back on the right side. You feel really good about him over there in the system um, and let him play the position that he's played the most in the NFL. And things, you know, things really fall into place nicely. So, and I don't think that you're going to have to spend a first round pick on Duncan. Uh, 65 might be a little risky, just depending, you know, just kind of depending on what other teams think of him. But He's a candidate that if they want to move up in the second, they could get him, or maybe the board does fall and he is there. Um, but an, an interesting name for sure. Yeah, I think there's a there's an outside chance that he falls to the middle of the third round. I think maybe you have to make a move in the third round to get him. Um, he could go earlier than that just because teams might really fall in love with his size and athletic profile and think that they that they can fix him. Um, but yeah, he's 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 a very intriguing idea of a player um and that's right around the same time they took lucas niang right um and so and you can kind of see some similarities between the two um another another offensive lineman that they brought in this week is the uh, guard slash tackle anthony bradford out of lsu um price have you watched much of anthony bradford I've not watched him. Obviously, I haven't spent a lot of time on guards this season, but I will say he's Brugler's number six overall guard. Um, you know, has SEC experience and has played tackle, which is something that the Chiefs really value. I mean, to me, this screams just kind of like the repeat dialogue of Darian Kennard. Um, I don't think that they would view him as a tackle like they kind of did with Kennard, but there's there's a lot of things to like here, right? He's 6'4, 332 pounds, um, has played SEC ball and um, has stayed relatively healthy. He's only missed like uh, five games in his career. So uh, he offers like several things that are intriguing NFL potential. And like I said, Brugler's got him as his number six guard. Um, just, you know, the only people ahead of him, he's got Skaronsky as a guard, Osiris Torres, Diavela, Cody Mock, and Chandler Zavala, and Bradford Drake behind him. So this is an interesting name. I, you know, I think that they just the Eagles have been such a great model for like how you build the offensive line. Right. And if you have a player, whether it's like an Andrew Voorhees or Zavala is another name or someone like that, where it's day, you know, it's late in day two or early in day three, and you've got a chance to like, Hey, let's get this guy in here. Let's build around him. And if we have an injury, we've got a good person to plug in there. And we've got someone who can step in. If Joe Tooney does end up leaving and won't miss a beat. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I like it too, especially you talked about the versatility of emergency tackle, right? Like he played, he only played 257 snaps-ish or was it like 50, 260-some snaps of tackle in college between his all, all three of his years. Um, but he's still young. He's not even 22 yet. 
Um, like you said, though, he's been playing in the SEC, been playing his, the highest level of competition of of college football. Um, he had he's had over a thousand snaps over the last two years. Um, he has given up a decent amount of sacks over that time, but you know he's a guy, he's a developmental guy. He's not a guy that you're be spending a premium pick on. And if you're talking about a day three guy that you can get and develop and have him be your, you know, your your Nick Allegretti, your your fill in in case of break glass in case of emergency guy, and you got him on a rookie deal for four years for cheap, that you can never have two like offensive linemen. I say this about pr- like almost every other position every week, but I'm gonna say it this week: offensive linemen are the relief pitchers of of football. You can never have too many good ones, right? Like you, you like you can never protect the franchise in too many different ways and take enough swings at protecting the franchise. So that's, that's my take on it. Um, another guy that Chiefs brought in was DJ Johnson, situational pass rusher out of Oregon. Didn't play a lot this last year, but in the time that he was in managed to get six sacks, um, you know, kind of a, uh, off you know, that linebacker, um, hybrid, smaller edge rusher. Um, the Chiefs seem to be bringing in more of those guys this year. Than in years past, which I guess may be signaling a philosophy change to an extent. Um, I don't want to say that because, you know, Spags has been doing it the way he's been doing it for a long time, and he's had a whole lot of success as a defensive coordinator. But it does seem that they're bringing in some of these uh, lighter, smaller, um, more athletic pass rushers. Uh, DJ Johnson, do you like him, Price? Like, what's your what's your vibe on him? Well, as you mentioned, he, despite his lack of playing time, uh, led the led the Ducks and sacks this year. Um, he 6'4", 260, so this isn't Nolan Smith small. A little small by Spag's thresholds, but he's not tiny by any means. Um, you know, one thing that, like, this, this just screams Spags to me. Uh, this kind of goes along the Mike Dana discourse as well. Um, positional versatility, you know, has some options to possibly kick inside if he needs to. High motor is one of the, you know, reading the draft profiles on him, a high motor player um, and has a physical profile scheme to be versatile in NFL schemes. So um, he is a little bit older than what the Chiefs usually like to do. Um, He's 24 years old um, and is like 24 and a half years old. So like by the time the season starts, he'll be 25. Um, That's fine on day three. You know, that's not a huge deal. I think that's probably about where he'd be be picked. I'd rather a player like Jose Ramirez personally to DJ Johnson, but I'm not going to, you know, these are, these are dart throws, so I'm not going to kick and scream. Yeah. I I mean, the Chiefs also spoke with Jose Ramirez. So, you know, they, they could just be bringing in both of them to compare the two and see which one they think fits better with what they're looking to do. And I think Uh, um, like the success of James Houston for the lions kind of like has kind of, open NFL team's eyes and there's other players, right? That's just the most like popular example right now of like, Oh, Hey, we can have a pass rush only guy and he have success. You just have to have the infrastructure in place to know what he is and let them be successful. So the rest of the team can kind of coexist. You don't want to overexpose those players, right? Like D Ford was that type of player for the chiefs back when he was with the chiefs. There's that famous gif of him running the opposite way of the run play, right? He was an absolute liability in the run, but in 2018, when you had the best offense in the NFL and he got to rush the passer 95% of the time, things worked out pretty well. Listen, when he was, when he was on sides and it was third and long, then uh, he was a dangerous, 
a dangerous player. We can uh, only, but, we can only laugh now because of the 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 time and the the Super Bowl since. But my God, hashtag never forget. And it's one of the greatest Frank Clark quotes of all time when he says, "You see me light up offsides," you know. And uh, but you're right. No, he is a he is a one dimensional um, player. But I think you see that, like you said, you see that a lot more and more in the NFL. I think Brian Burns is kind of a guy who's like that, you know, to an extent. And there's these guys are making a lot of money because guess what? In the NFL these days, if you're getting paid about $2 million a sack you make because bringing down the quarterback is the premium for people on the defense. They, they, they want to hit the quarterback and they want to get in his head. And so if you can hit the quarterback, then you're going to make a lot of money and be in the league for a really long time. And then, so moving on though, the fourth person that the Chiefs brought in for a top 30 visit this week was, was Arkansas Razorbacks wide receiver Jaden Hazelwood. He's about 6'2", 6'3", very athletic, very fast guy, um, former five-star recruit. Um, Price, what do you think about Jaden Hazelwood? Do you like this for the Chiefs? Or? Yes, this is, this is the type of move I love to see here. You bet on those former five-star recruits. Uh, this some of this can be copy and pasted to Brian Brzee in a much different spot in the draft, right? But you look at the things that cannot be taught, the athletic profile, you look at the recruiting and all those type of things, and then, you know, hope that you can harness that in a good structure in your NFL team. Hazelwood was, you know, looking at his frame, he has an NFL caliber frame and the, you know, going into his time in college, you would have thought that he would be around one round two wide receiver immense potential, but why wasn't that capitalized? First two, two years were at Oklahoma, and then he transferred to, uh, to Arkansas. Ironically enough, something that I learned about him was he was one of the few players, he was such a big recruit out of high school, that he was one of the players that the XFL targeted before it got shut down for COVID to have him go straight to the XFL instead of doing college, because they were kind of targeting a couple of players. Um, I'm not sure why it really hasn't clicked. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma... Um, if I remember right, they hadn't changed head coaches yet. So there was pretty good offensive structure there for him. Um, I'm not sure why it hasn't clicked for him, but this makes a lot of sense. A worthwhile gamble here. You get the skills, the frame, those type of things in and bet on your offensive scheme, your elite quarterback to help raise the floor for him. And honestly, uh, Brugler has him down as an undrafted free agent. A date, you know, a, you know, a seventh round pick or something like that. If you don't want to compete in the UDFA market for him. But yes, this is this is a play that I would love to see the Chiefs make. You know, I I I, would, I watched probably about three games of him last night, and he moves well. I like his route running. Um, does struggle with drops a little bit. They didn't. He didn't run a full route tree um, at Arkansas. Arkansas's quarterback play held him back a little bit. I thought. Um, you know, they, they they ran him on just a lot of quick quick outs into the flat wide receiver screens, that sort of stuff. But then, you know what? They also did, did some deep posts from the, from the slot with him and brought him across the middle a little bit. Like he, 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 he looks good moving around on the field. I will say though, to, to preface this though, there was another wide receiver when I was watching the film and I said, dang, that other guy, he moves so well. He's bigger than Hazelwood. He's faster than Hazelwood. He he runs better routes than Hazelwood. His hands are better than Hazelwood. I was like, oh my gosh. And then, Matt, I, I, yeah. yeah, it was two in the morning. So I kind of had a brain fart. I was like, who the heck is number three for Arkansas? Then I was like, oh yeah, Matt Landers, our, our dude. And I was like, well, 
I like Hazelwood, but I love Matt Landers. Yeah, he's he's one of those players too that you you look at the combine results, you look at where he played and everything, and you're like, am I am I the only person that's seen these? Like, why is this person not being talked about more? But obviously, there's a lot of things we don't know. It's a lot of things we don't know, but either way, I I I would roll the dice on either one of the Arkansas wide receivers because I think that their scheme the same way that I thought that their scheme and quarterback play held out held back Traylon Burks last year I wrote a whole a whole article on it um I think that that the same thing happened to Hazelwood and Landers this year and so but anyway moving on enough talk about the top 30s there they are if you want to tweet us let us know what you think about these guys and and hit us up and give us your feedback on those four players uh, but moving forward, we're going to talk a little bit here about the uh, – there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter this week, Price, about the S2 cognition test and what quarterbacks, you know, performed well, which quarterbacks performed poorly, um, that it's the new Wunderlich um, and, and how it's it's going to shake up the draft boards and everything like this. Price, do you buy in the S2 cognition test? Okay, before I even ask that, let's get a little bit of preface for people who might not know what it is. It's essentially about a 30-minute test you take on a laptop that shows different shapes and, and different things on the screen, and you have to click, and it's a reaction time and a decision-making um, cognitive test that kind of measures your cognitive ability to look, see, react, and make sound decisions. That being said, Price, do you buy into this sort of thing? Do you think that it matters? Does it Does it translate to football at all? As someone who spent five years in public education uh, before I moved into corporate America, um, there is no great standardized testing, right? The, the term standardized lends, lends itself to the idea that it is not sufficient for every single type of learner, every single type of test taker. However, it is merely a tool that teams use to evaluate players. It sounds like some teams are very into it. There was a lot of... Um, for lack of a better term, outcry on Twitter this week about it. I'm not exactly sure where this came from. If there was a player that people feel it's unfair that they were being evaluated by it. I, I think, you know, it, 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 your evaluation just comes down to how do you feel about all of the things? You know, you never just look at them like, oh, look, they're a 99% athlete, but then you check the tape and it's awful, right? And you never just look at the tape and you never just look at the Wonderlick or the S2 I, I personally think that this is hand wringing over, you know, uh, kind of a slow NFL news cycle leading up to the draft that people are just looking for stuff to be outraged about. My guess is that there's probably a player that a team has said that, you know, they may or may not be into because of the S2 scores. Um, a lot of, a lot of times these these tests, they're measuring things that people feel doesn't make sense. But you got to remember. This, if you're a first round draft pick, especially some of these guys up in the top five, they're getting like $50 million guaranteed from these teams. This is a real investment. So everything matters. They, it's like becoming a police officer, man. Like the amount of investigation that they do on you, they're, they're talking to the custodian at your high school. They're talking to the lunch lady. Were you nice to them whenever you punched in your lunch number? Like it's that in depth. So for them to gather more data on a player, it makes complete sense. These are major investments that they're making in franchise altering moves in billion dollar, you know, monopolies, basically, you know, so there, there's a lot of groundwork to be done. So just like anything, you don't want to be too reliant on it. It's just merely a piece, a data point on a spreadsheet, but it does matter. So moving on, we're gonna do a little bit. We like to call 
justice for X player. And these are players that we think that have been unjustly, you know, given a bad rap or, or the, the raw end of the deal, or it kind of grinds our gears the way that uh, even either the national media has talked about a player or Chiefs Kingdom on uh, social media. Um, and so probably someone that you started off, who is your, uh, who's what player do, do you want to pound the gavel for in the court of Chiefs, of Chiefs Kingdom and the NFL and say, I want some justice for this player. For me, it's Brian Branch. Um, I I understand that there are some questions about, you know, where is he going to play on the field? But the fact is, is every time he was on the field, he was a difference maker for Alabama in big games against great competition at the highest level of college football. I, I just feel like we do this with the safety every year. Last year is Kyle Hamilton, where we start doing this like, oh, well, it's safety and it's not that important. And they're not as athletic as some of these corners and everything. And well, maybe he's a slot corner. Brian Branch is an absolute difference maker and has incredibly high uh, floor for a player. And he's a player that, you know, I feel like he's a great test at pick 31 for the Chiefs. If he if he does fall, it's really hard to turn away a player like that. And I know the Chiefs feel pretty co- comfortable at the safety position, but he's an absolute difference maker. And the, you know, I understand that the athletic profile wasn't elite, elite, but still, this is a player that I feel like we are just people have consistently gotten lower and lower on and he's not really done anything to make himself fall it's just positional value listen i agree with you i think that the safety position is like a one stud horse race in this this year and i think the one stud is brian branch the rest of the people are a couple of uh i don't know wild horses kind of running around the pasture that maybe you can maybe you can train them and make them good and make them nfl serviceable rotational players but I think you only got one starter, like day one starter in this draft at safety, and that's Brian Branch. Everybody, there's a, there's a very clear and significant drop off after Brian Branch, and so if you're in the market for a safety, you might as well take a swing on him. And so, um, anyway, moving forward, my guy that I want some justice for that I'm gonna pull out my gavel and bang it on. What's the thing that you hit a gavel on? Like the, the, like the hammer things a gavel. What do you hit the gavel on, Price? I'm happy to say I've never been in the court of law, so um, not an expert on the subject. I've been under oath a few times um, for depositions, but I've never, uh, I've never sat in the witness stand and had a, a judge hit a hit a gavel or been on the defend been the de, the defendant in a situation and had the the judge hit a gavel. Uh, you're looking it up right now. Yes. Here we go. What do you hit a gavel on? It's literally just called, according to this, it's just called a sound block. Oh, a sound block. It or a block. It, it makes the gavel loud. It's like the it's like the gavel amplifier. It's just like something that you hit it against. It makes the, the hear ye, hear ye, knock, knock, knock. Okay. So anyway, what I'm going to be banging my gavel against the sound block for is I'm going to do it for Keon White. Not that I even love Keon White. Not that I think Keon White is the best pass rusher in this draft. Not that I think that Keon White should be at Union Station in person during this draft, but there's a lot of people out there comparing him to Breland Speaks, and let's give the man a little bit of credit. He is not a USFL quality player in Breland Speaks who 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 
who was a terrible draft pick. And he's like, like all the national scouts out there, all the big guys, Daniel Jeremiah, um, you know, Dane Brugler, whoever you want to name, have him in the late 20 to early 40s range for a reason. Uh, watching his tape, he's not great at run defense. Fine. He's he 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 lacks a little bit of like positional awareness at times. Fine. But he's got juice, he's got Ben, he's got athleticism, he has a great, he has a decent enough pass rush plan. He's got he's got enough tools to get to the quarterback and be an effective pass rusher in the league. Like Breland Speaks came in just a completely raw, undeveloped Tano Passano type of product. That's not Keon White. Keon White is a football player. Keon White understands how to rush to the quarterback and he rushes the quarterback well. And so to compare him to Breland Speaks is a little bit of a low blow. And in my opinion, kind of lazy, lazy analysis. Like you just want to say, I don't like this guy. So I'm just going to compare him to Breland Speaks. They're not in the same body type. Like they're not the same player. And so for me, I'm going to say, even though he's not necessarily my cup of tea or my flavor or, or who the guy that I really, really want, I see why he could be considered uh, a, a top, a top two, a top, uh, like, a, like, a, like a second round draft pick right? Or even a first round draft pick. And so, you know what? Give the man his due. He's worked hard for it. I say some justice for Keon White, justice for Keon White right now. I'm trying to remember, was Breland Speaks first year under Bob Sutton? I think so, right? I'll have to go and look that up. Um, I'm not, I'm not positive, but it wasn't, it wasn't under, it wasn't on a great defense. It wasn't a great defense at all. Correct. I, here's the thing. I I'm pretty much out on Breland or on Keon White. Sorry, Freudian slip. I'm pretty much out on him, but for different reasons besides. Yeah. So his first year was in 2018. So that was Bob Sutton. So I here's my thing. I think personally, if Steve Spagnola would have been the defensive coordinator for uh Breland Speaks rookie year, I think he probably would have at least lasted his rookie deal here. Uh that was part of the problem with Bob Sutton's defense, is that it was so it was so undiverse and so uncreative at the pass rush level that players were just doing the same thing over and over again. Breland Speaks had some skills that were useful and they just weren't really used that well. And then he didn't particularly do well with Spagnolo's system, but they were trying to do a whole total defensive overhaul and they, you know, let him go after camp. My thing is this with Keon White. The only upside with him as a player, particularly is the fact that he's only played defensive end for one year before then he was a tight end, um, change schools, change positions. So at least you have the upside of like, well, he's barely played the position that much, but he's older. He's kind of another tweener. And, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit. I do feel like the chiefs need to kind of have some true edges. I don't think that we need to go to full, you know, Nolan Smith, Will McDonald, some of the really smaller edges, I do feel like that they could use a speed rusher and it just the thing that's a little scary about it. I get why people are panicking when he, when it was announced he's coming the first round of the draft. It just, it does feel very spagsy. He meets all the thresholds plays inside and out high motor, all those type of things. But man, oh man, I, I, that, you know, we're getting ready to do some vibe association at pick 31. Um, <laughs> that's not it. That that's not pick 31 for me. I a hard pass. 
Oh man, put your put the tin foil on your hat on your head. The only reason why uh, yeah. White is coming to Kansas City is because Kansas City already decided he's number thirty one. I, I I don't believe that to be true, right? But I just all that all that tells you is that teams think that he could go in that range, right? Like if the Eagles take him at pick thirty. I don't think anyone's going to freak out and be like, whoa, this is such a reach. I mean, this isn't Cole Strange, right? Where like no one, like Cole Strange was like on a boat fishing because he didn't even think he was getting drafted. That's not actually true, but it might as well have been true. Um, you know, so I I don't know. I just, it, it makes me a little nervous that the Chiefs would do it. And they're like, oh, well, you know, he's the best player on our board or whatever. It's like, well, positional value, I get it. But man, um, Yes, he's it not, is, he's not it, the same. It is strange that Quentin Johnston and Broderick Jones and uh, and was it Peter Skaronsky are not going to be in Kansas City, but Keon White is. Well, yeah, and some players just choose to spend it with their family. Like Mahomes didn't go to the draft, right? Like he spent it with his family. That's where we got the famous Russell Wilson video was because he was at home for the draft, right? With that like other chick that he ditched for Ciara. Um, clear upgrade there for my man. But uh yeah, I who knows? There, there's always a couple. I mean, I remember they cut to Malik Willis like 50 times um, the first night of the draft last year, and it was very clear that he wasn't going to go. So interesting nonetheless. And nobody wants to be the Aaron Rodgers just sitting there looking pissy at the table until the end of the round. You know, sitting there in, in New York City. I think that's the everybody's fear is that they're projected to go possible top 10 and they end up going in the in the late 20s or early 30s and so anyway so as as we uh as price kind of uh foreshadowed for us we're moving on here from our justice for x player um to our our, what we're going to call vibe consensus pick for number 31 so this is what we're going to do we're going to go through uh a series of about 20 ish players and we're going to go player by player we're going to say what is our overall vibe that we feel about if the Chiefs took this player at number 31? Now, we could just be like a scale of 1 to 5 or A to F or blah, 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 blah. But that's boring. And if it's one thing you should know about each season is we don't – we do some weird stuff on this show, but we like it that way. We like to mix it up a little bit. We feel – we believe that in the draft analyst community – there's a lot of people that do a really, really good job of taking themselves very, very seriously. And that's not us. Like we like to give you guys good info, but we like to have, we like to have fun with it. Right. And so, and so what we're going to do is instead of doing a normal, like a to F or one to five, we're going to do a a beer scale. Right. And so if we really, really like this pick for the chiefs at at pick 31, we're going to say it's a Boulevard beer. Like that's our favorite beer because we're Kansas city boys and we like Kansas city beer. Damn it. Right. And so boulevards, a boulevard is an A plus pick. And then right below that is a good quality beer brand as well that we but we also like, but it's not quite Kansas City beer because Kansas City beer is the best. And and shout out to KC Beer Company. We we thought about making you the second one down, but we didn't want to disrespect you, right? Because you're you're one A and one B in our hearts, baby. And so our second one tier down is Bell's. Great, great beer. Bell's Two Hearted Ale. Shout out there. So we're going to go Boulevard Beer, Bell's, and then the middle there is Sam Adams. And then below that is PBR. And then the very, very bottom one is everybody's favorite college beer, Hams. 
right? And so Boulevard number one, Bells is number two, Sam Adams number three, PBR number four, Hams number five. All right, so here we go, kicking it off. Price Carter, what's your vibe for say Dalton Kincaid? So Dalton Kincaid for me is a is a boulevard. You're getting what most people think might actually be the best pure pass catcher in the draft. He's going to an ideal landing spot where I absolutely feel their scenario where Travis Kelsey and Dalton Kincaid can be on the field together. And then when Travis Kelsey is not on the field, Dalton Kincaid can be utilized. Yes, he's got some room to grow as a blocker. But if you're trying to put him in line as a blocker, you're not using him correctly anyways. And there's there's one person I feel that can get the most out of him. It's Andy Reid. You have a great successor to Travis Kelsey. And like some of these other players, like maybe Michael Mayer, if you wait, like do a Zach Koontz or something like that, you're kind of in the wings waiting for Travis Kelsey to eventually hang it up. Whereas I feel like Dalton Kincaid, you're getting a day one contributor. So that is a ice cold boulevard wheat for me you know it's it's not a boulevard for me but it is a bells i'll give it a bells um just because i don't want to go tight end at 31 the positional va- the positional value for what the chiefs need currently i i i would be happy about the player and i think he might be the best player available but the positional need would would take it down just a bit for me and make it a bells. Yeah. And like, I, I get it positional value, but I just think he's so versatile that you can use him basically as another wide receiver. Um, that's, that's the only reason if it, if this was Michael Mayer, I probably wouldn't say the same thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Moving down the list here. We have Nolan Smith. What do, what's, what's Nolan Smith for you? This is tough. I, I love the player. Don't necessarily love the fit. I'm going to go with a Sam Adams. I think he's an electric player but you are drafting an outlier here a little bit as far as size goes. And compared to what the chiefs have on the rest along of that defensive line, he would just, I, I, you know, the, the analysis of the tape is that he's a pretty good run defender, but I just wonder about how he would fit in KC. Am I going to be mad? No. Like, you know, someone brings in a, you know, a nice uh, autumn logger from Sam Adams. I'm not going to be mad at a party if I see it for sure. But um, I, I would just kind of question the fit a little bit. Yeah, you know, I I think I'm with you on it. I, I, I want to make him a Bells as well, but then also it's boring as hell if I just sit here and say everybody's a Bells down the list. Um, I think he is probably like, I think he's like a Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which is a really good beer that I really, really enjoy, right? And so we're going to go Sam Adams Oktoberfest and and say, you know what, even, even more so than that, I don't even know the name of it. A few years back, Sam Adams dug up this like Viking tomb and found these clay pots and they found the recipe for this Viking beer and they remade it and limited released it. And that was really cool. So I'll say Nolan Smith is like whatever that, that limited release Viking beer that they made off of like clay fragments from a Viking tomb a long time ago. Uh, moving forward, we got a guy who's getting a lot of buzz around Chiefs kingdom. Anton Harrison left tackle. What's your vibe on this one price? I'm going to go Bells because I, I love the position, love the player, love the system that he's coming from. Uh, he does at times play a little weak. Like I feel like he knows that he, strength is not his greatest strong suit. He might struggle against power a little bit. But overall, I'd be really excited about him coming to KC, especially, again, you know, as we've kind of said before, 
the the infrastructure that's in place here for the Chiefs offensive line, I feel like there's a really high rate of success for him in Kansas City as left tackle. The only the only time I would be out on it if they're like, okay, so we're gonna have Juwan Taylor switch positions. We're also gonna have Anton Harrison switch positions. That would be I would be out on that. That's not cool. Yeah, I I'm gonna say Anton Harrison is a boulevard for me just because he's grown on me as a player with his athleticism and his pass sets. He definitely struggles with power and that is something that he has to get better at. He does not handle the bull rush well at all. Um, that does scare me quite a bit. I'm going to say he's a Boulevard, but I think he's like a Boulevard space camper, like not the best offering that Boulevard has had, but it's good. It's still good. Still enjoy it. I still think it's a really good beer, um, but it's not, it's not a Saison Brett. You know, which I, which is like probably top shelf best Boulevard beer of all time, right? And so I'm gonna say he's a he is still a Boulevard, but you know, a different offering level of Boulevard beer. Uh, moving on down the list, the next is another another tackle, uh, Dewan Jones, um, left tackle out of um, out of Ohio State. What's your vibes here? Sorry, not left tackle, right tackle out of Ohio State. I'm gonna be petty here a little bit. Uh, he's a hams for me. I'm I'm pretty much out on Dewan Jones. He's not Boulevard. He's like me throwing up Tank Seven on the side of I-70 on the way home from a weekend in St. Louis partying, which has been an experience I've had before. By the way, uh, shout out to my wife driving me home hungover. But man, I just the reviews the interview cycle for him has not gone well. He would need to lose weight to play at NFL tackle right now, as far as his size goes. And this is the type of player that I feel like the Chiefs are trying to get off of. I understand he's got a terrific wingspan and huge hands and some of the things that the Chiefs like. But to me, it just makes no sense to stick him on the right side with all of his physical agility questions. And then you're going to take a player that's played on the right side and Juwan Taylor and stick him on the left side. To me, it just feels like kind of a double gamble. Like, honestly, if they go into the season with Juwan Jones at right tackle and Juwan Taylor at left tackle, I don't feel they've personally upgraded the tackle position from the previous year different weaknesses but i i don't feel like that's a huge upgrade because you're not you've not gotten any cheaper you're still paying juan taylor real money and yes you've got a, a rookie but you still have concerns all you've basically done is just kind of change the name so i i'm really out on juan jones i i would not be thrilled to hear him at pick 31 you know i uh i'm gonna differ a little bit on this one i like his size he does need to probably lose a little bit of weight, especially if he's going to play um, for the Chiefs. I, I'm going to say he's a Sam Adams. Um, I think that he moves well at his size for what he does have, and he knows how to use his size to his advantage. Does that? Is it going to translate to the NFL? We don't know yet. Um, I don't want – if he's – if so I guess we're talking pick 31 though, right? Okay, so I'm going to say he's a PBR. He's a PBR. I don't think – because I, I wouldn't be happy with him at pick 31 – if we're talking pick 63, then I'm a little bit more happy. So I'm going to say he's a PBR for me. All right, so here we go. Here's your Justice 4 guy coming up on this one, On this one, Price. Uh, Brian Branch. If, if the Chiefs take Brian Branch at 31, what's your vibe? I For the same reason that you said Dalton Kincaid is Bells, I'm going to go Bells for Brian Branch. Love the player. Love the versatility. I think he could absolutely be a huge impact player for the Chiefs because of what he can do on the slot. I think he gives them options in the future if they were to choose to move off from um, Legereus Sneed. 
but it is a safety and they do kind of have that position set. So I'm going to go Bells, but I, I would be thrilled to hear him at pick 31. I, I think I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm going to go Bells as well, just because safety isn't the most pressing need. Um, but I love the player. And like I said, I think he's a stud. Um, so I'm going to go Bells as well. All right, let's go next person down. Kalijah Kansi, standout pass rusher for Pitt, interior off, interior defensive lineman, a little bit undersized. Uh, Price Carter, what do you think? like pbr i mean i like pbr i'll drink a pbr but i I just again like you go and look at mock draftable the players that are his size or smaller at defensive tackle that have you know been nfl players there's not a single name that excites you you're betting on a total outlier now there's a lot of reasons to think that it might work in kansas city playing next to a great player in chris jones versatility on inside and outside like i could absolutely see him playing on the outside some but the arms are so short and i understand he's incredibly quick but it just feels like he is going to really struggle at the next level with if a guard gets their hands on him and i i just i don't love that for where the chiefs sit this feels like a great pick for a team that has a lot of great infrastructure in their defensive line already like the eagles or something like that where they can kind of bet on the traits and um, if he flops, he flops. But I, I personally do not feel that the Chiefs can afford that. If they're going to go defensive tackle there, I'd much rather see Mazzy Smith and they'd be like, hey, we've got an incredibly high floor player here. We know that he is absolutely stout against the run and we'll just hope to develop as a pass rusher. So uh, PBR for me. Man, I'm going Boulevard on this one, baby. I love Clyde Jacanzi. Arms, arms short. I don't care. He's he's got a it's fully developed pass rush plan. I know he's an outlier, and I don't usually bet on the outliers, but I believe in this outlier. I believe in his quickness. I believe in his in his intelligence and and his ability to to set up the offensive the offensive ta- the offensive um, lineman and him lining up next to Chris Jones. I just think that he would totally feast. So I'm going to go Boulevard all the way on Kalijah Cansey sticking with. Interior defensive lineman, Brian Brzee, Price Carter. For Brzee, I'm going to go. This one's tough for me. I'm really tempted to say Boulevard. I love the player, love his profile and everything, but the college production just doesn't line up with what the, what he was supposed to be. I'm going to I'm gonna go Bells, but I would be really, really excited. To me, it's kind of like it, the only reason why it's not is just because of the college production, but there's even a little bit of reasons for some of those dips. The only problem is some of them are injuries. And, you know, sometimes that gets better in the NFL. Sometimes it doesn't. So I'll go Bells, but I would I would love to see him in KC. I'm going to go Bells as well. The production wasn't there, but you do love the traits. You love the size. You love everything about him. And there is an, and he did lose. He lost his sister while he was playing in college, and they were super close. And there is just no accounting for the toll that that can take on a person and especially their ability for, you know, things outside of that sorrow and that mourning period, like football, like, like those sort of things fall by the wayside and don't necessarily matter for some people. And I don't think that's a knock against him. And I don't think that means that he doesn't like love football. I just means that he was, he suffered a tragedy in his life. And so I'm going to go bells as well, because I like the player. I like the traits and I think that he's great value at number 31. Um, Zay flowers is our next guy up wide receiver, Boston college. He's a bit of a burner price. What do you think? 
Oh, I am a boulevard for sure. Um, he, there are some size concerns here, right? Uh, like a lot of players in this wide receiver class, size and slot versatility is a big part of what it's going to come down to. If you think he can do anything on the outside, he's absolutely worth a first-round pick. But I feel comfortable in Andy Reid using his flexibility and his ability after the catch is so exciting. Um, boy, I, I would love to see him and Kadarius Tony and Travis Kelsey on the field together. Just feels like a terrific versatility and insane run after the catch ability. So that's a that's a boulevard for me. He's a boulevard for me as well. He's a tank seven for me. I think that I was talking to our buddy Ron Cop on over at the AP Draft Room um, on this past Friday. Um, I think he's going to struggle a little bit coming out of the gates, kind of like Sky Moore did. But I think that once he gets it, he's going to be more productive than Moore was. And he's going to be a bigger part of the offense. And he's going to be an electric player for years to come for the Kansas City Chiefs. But I do think that there's going to be a bit of a bit of learn a bit of growing pains for him um when he starts out. But I think that it's worth it. I think I think I think that's all worth it for the upside and the player that he's going to be once he gets it. Um sticking with wide receiver, almost the opposite type of receiver as as Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston out of TCU, a bigger bodied receiver, doesn't get the greatest separation, but you know, kind of has all the traits you want for an X receiver price. What do you, what's your vibes on, on, on Quentin Johnston at number 31 for the Chiefs? This one's really hard because part of me wants to say, like, the lack of separation, the contested catch rate, some of those things make me a little weary that he's not as great of a separator, has struggled with drops, but the the athletic tools are so hard to give up on and he's not some huge lumbering wide receiver. You know, this isn't uh, some giant, you know, giant trying to, you know, lumber down the field and just do contested catches. He does have athleticism. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go a bells. I almost Boulevard, almost Boulevard, but he has seemed to kind of consistently fall down draft boards this cycle. Um, and there, there's some reasons for that. I, I, I love the upside though. I love the upside in Kansas city. Yeah, me too. Um, I think I'm going to go Bells. I can't quite get a read on him. Is he T. Higgins or is he Nikhil Harry? Because I could see it going either way with him. Um, And so I just, I would be excited because he is, I think, one of the top wide receivers in this draft and one of the top big wide receivers in this draft. Is he my favorite larger wide receiver in this draft? No, he's not but I do think that he'd be good value at number 31. Um, so I'm going to go with Bells as well. Um, next person up, edge rusher out of Iowa State. Very productive. Will McDonald, the fourth. A lot of people have been mocking him to Kansas City at 31. Price, how you, what, what would be your vibes on Will McDonald? I'm going to go with Sam Adams. Again, he's a little bit different player. He's one pound heavier than Nick Bolton is. So he would be an outlier for the Chiefs. Now, I do think that he's a productive player, and I think he's had some, you know, really shown some good things on, on tape at the college level. Um, Big 12 pass rusher is always a little scary, right, just as far as, like, what those offenses are and what those defenses are. I, it, to me, it just feels like a very, um, a very safe pick at pick 31, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting some speed in here at the edge position. So... I'll go with Sam Adams leaning towards a bell. Yeah, I'm going to go Sam Adams leaning towards a bell as well. Um, just because I feel like you go like edge eight through edge 17, 
and they're kind of all the same skill level of player, right? I just think that there's just a lot of guys in that range of end of round one where they're just kind of like they're different players, but when you stack everything up and you take all their hit points and add them together, they're going to be like the same level, like the same level of Pokemon. Like they might be a Pikachu or a Charmander, but their hit points are going to be exactly the same because they're just, they're just a different, a different breed of pass rusher, but they're kind of all on the same level. Um, Moving forward. We got another guy that I know you love price. Jameer Gibbs running back, big playmaker out of Alabama. What's your, what's your vibe on Jameer Gibbs to the Chiefs draft another running back in round one? Well, you're going to make me out to be a hater because I do like the player. And I do, you know, we did our state the case last week, kind of talking about some unusual picks and why you shouldn't necessarily be mad. But this one, I'm going to have to go PBR. It's just like there's no situation that you're drafting Jameer Gibbs and he's a true bell cow for you and is playing every single down, right? Like there's still. Uh, a high likelihood that Isaiah Pacheco would possibly outsnap him. And we, we like Pacheco. We think good things of him. But what he does as a running back is more valuable than just a straight old, you know, one cut and find the open lane running back. A little bit more like what Pacheco is as far as what uh, Gibbs does in the passing game. But, yeah, drafting a third down back at pick 31 is just not something that this team needs. And after the Clyde Edwards-Dallaire pick, I think, They've hopefully learned that lesson a little bit too and seen kind of Gibbs is small as well. There's some of the issues with Edward Delaire. Um, I like Jameer Gibbs, but I don't like him at 31. I think I agree with you. Uh, I like Jameer Gibbs not at 31. I don't know if he's a full PBR, which I, I would give it to Sam Adams. I wouldn't be angry. I'd understand that we need a dynamic playmaker in this in this offense. And if, say, Zay Flowers and every other top playmaker at wide receiver is off the board saying, okay, let's get a top playmaker at running back because we need a top playmaker, then I would understand it. So I'm going to go Sam Adams on this one. Um, Next person up is Miles Murphy. Got all the traits, got the size. The production hasn't necessarily been there like we want it to be. Uh, Miles Murphy, for you, Price, what do you feel about him? Miles Murphy at pick 31 is Boulevard's finest, baby. You've got great athletic traits. The production didn't quite line up in college, but getting him in a defensive line with uh, Menehu and Frank, or well, I almost said Frank Clark, hopefully Frank Clark, Chris Jones, George Kaloftis, I love betting on that upside and the development there. Um, he's someone that it feels like really high ceiling player. Um, I love that for the Chiefs, pick 31. I'm going to say I agree with you. I think that uh, that Miles Murphy at 31 is a Boulevard Pilsner. Goes down smooth and easy, and you can drink that all day long, baby. So I'm going to say Miles Murphy. I think that he's just got all the upside in the world, and I wouldn't want him in the top 15, but at 31, I think that's a great pick, great value. Um, moving forward a little bit from here after Miles Murphy, we have another running back price, Bijan Robinson. Is he different in your mind? Then Jameer Gibbs at 31. Bijan Robinson is the perfect running back first round like narrative because he is a team, a player that changes your offense, that changes how defenses play you, but he is still a running back. For the sake of argument, I am going to go. This is tough. I'm I'm going to go Bells because I think this is a move that every team 
besides the Kansas City Chiefs, looks and goes, God dang it. Are you serious? Like they just got someone who they can hand the ball off to and the play be completely broken and he can still, you know, get out of it. And the, the only reason why I wouldn't go Boulevard, because I do think like if he's at the board, if he's on the board at pick 31, he is best player available. However, um, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is there. You would need to split carry somewhat there anyways. And positional value be damned, you know? So I'm going to go a bells because I do think he absolutely changes how defenses play you. The, the chiefs can go win a game and salt a game away with him and take something off of Patrick Mahomes's plate. And one thing that I like about him at 31 too, is you now have a blue chip offensive player. Like it doesn't matter if it's Zay flowers or Quentin Johnson. I don't think they get that. You draft Bijan Robinson. You have another superstar besides Travis Kelsey. And that's something they're not going to be able to get at 31. Otherwise, that's what I'm saying. If you're at 31 and there's not a thousand yard wide receiver on the board, then might as well get a running back. That's going to give you 1300 yards from scrimmage, right? You're, 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 we're talking, adding, adding yards to the offense, adding yards gained to the offense. And I think that, that it, that B. Jen Robinson is a slam dunk at 31. He's a boulevard all day for me is the positional value the greatest need no but he is probably for me talent wise i think he's the best football player in this draft and so i just think you're going best player available b john robinson is the best player available at every pick in the draft so i think you have to do it um moving on here let's go we'll go quick felix and uzoma edge rusher out of uh k-state what do you think price i'm going i'm going bells here or maybe even boulevard I feel like his athletic profile, the way he was used in college, there's room for growth. There's room for potential. He makes so much sense. I, I would love this. He, I, I see a guy who is a, you know, a multiple double digit sack type of guy. I think positional value. He's a boulevard for me as well. Um, I think he is in that same range as Will McDonald as, as far as that chunk of guys that kind of all flush out to be the same but he's a little bit, he's on the high end of that range for me. So I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a low end Boulevard on this one. Um, Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of Pitt and USC. What do you think about Jordan Addison? I've kind of done the whole dance with him, man. I went from like really being all in on him to being all the way out to being back in a little bit. The more like tape breakdown, I look at him. I'm going to go with Sam Adams. The size concerns kind of stopped me from a bells, but the tape, the tape is closer to Bells and Boulevard. He's just a guy who gets open, man. And I know that there's some issues with catches and or drops, I should say. And, you know, what he, his pit tape compared to his USC tape. But I, I just feel like this is a guy that the Chiefs would be able to get a lot out of. And he'd be able to do so much with the space that Travis Kelsey eats up. Yeah, I think I'm going to go Sam Adams, too, because I see the value in the player. But of his style of player... He's probably about my fifth favorite him in the draft, right? You know, like I like Josh Downs better than him. Like I think Josh Downs is an amazing wide receiver. So if we're going to go down that route, I'm looking at Josh Downs or a even a, 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 a Tyler Scott. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to go Sam Adams on him. All right, next up, Michael Mayer tied in. I know you're a big fan of him, Price. What do you think? Michael Mayer at uh, at uh, pick 31. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bells, not all the way to Boulevard. Only reason why I'm not going Boulevard is because I do think he could possibly be limited by Travis Kelsey, whereas Salton Kincaid not as much. 
Michael Mayer does not, he's not the best tight end at any one thing in this draft, but he does everything the best. And that's what makes him valuable that you could, to me, you know, you're, you're basically taking a lot of snaps away from Noah Gray and some from Travis Kelsey. But I think that how the Chiefs offense has went the next couple of years, even if Travis Kelsey does hang it up sooner than later, I feel like, you know, Michael Mayer tight end one is something that could absolutely exist here. I've loved the comp of Hayden Hurst to him as far as like what you can get in a player. And Hayden Hurst is, you know, a top half of the NFL tight end. You're, you're not going to find another Travis Kelsey, but uh, he's someone that could provide production and do a lot of valuable things for you. So I'm going to go a Bells. All right. I think I think I'm about to go. I'm going to go Sam Adams on this one. I think if we're going to go tight end in the first round, I'm Dalton Kincaid or bust, basically. Um, otherwise, I don't want a tight end. And this one, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be upset about it, but I won't be. I won't be. I won't be excited for Michael Mayer in the in the first round. Uh, next player up, leading sack producer in in college football last year, uh, Tuli Tua Pelotu. Um, big fan of this guy. What do you think, Price? What's your vibes on uh, Tuli in round one? Well, I know you're a huge Tuli guy, but I'm going to go Sam Adams just because I feel like. And I might even lean towards PBR. I just feel like there's other players that would be available on the board here that might be able to uh, have a little bit higher upside than him. Uh, his frame is excellent, and you love what he what he does with his frame and how powerful he is. Uh, another guy that kind of feels like an in-betweener, where, like, you know, where is he going to play at the next level? Concerns against the run, though, is kind of what stops this from feeling like if he if he's stout against the run, he's definitely a first-rounder from, like, his product productivity in college but those concerns just you know hold me back a little bit especially at pick 31 i think he's better against the run than he gets credit for in my opinion honestly and i think that he is a very powerful pass rusher he's very athletic for his size um i think that he is like i've said this before he's a cerebral pass rusher um he's fast off the snap but he also is patient and he'll read what the offense is doing and kind of slice in the middle and between people um I'm I I'm Boulevard on on Thule at 31 all day long. If we get him at 31, I am a happy camper. Um, all right, next guy up is Mozzie Smith, the polarizing the polarizing interior defensive lineman out of Michigan. Price, what do you think about Mozzie Smith at 31? Well, actually, I want to loop these next two guys in because right after him we have Siaka Ika, the defensive tackle from Baylor. Uh, for Mozzie Smith, I'm going to go Sam Adams because it's just neutral. Right. Like I again, very, very low bust potential in Mazzy Smith. I feel like he's going to be very solid against the run. You hope for the development of the pass rush. But that's probably the best player that Chris Jones has lined up next to in the interior in this time in Kansas City. For Ica, though, I'm gonna go like Hams because I've just really not loved what I've seen from his effort and tape this past year. He's just a completely different player. And um, you know, I Last year, I think he probably would have been defensive tackle one or not defensive tackle one. I would have been Jalen Carter, so, but probably two. And he has just had a tremendous drop off these past two years. And I'm not entirely sure what has led to that, but there's everything you're drafting him on is based off 2021 at this point. You know what? I'm going to go with a pair of PBR tall boys for both of them. I don't, I don't like Mozzie's consistency. I don't like how often he goes backwards with all of his, his size and skills and traits with his traits, he should be dominant and he's not. And so that scares me with Ica. The boy's too big to play every single down. He needs to slim down and lose a little bit of weight. He, he's too big and his conditioning is not 
what it should be to play in the NFL. I think he's probably played, gives you two downs and then he's on the sideline. And so, um, and so for both of them, I'm going to give him a PBR. And last but not least, we have our conspiracy theory edge rusher. Is he going to be pick 31? He's going to be in Kansas City. Keon White, Georgia Tech, edge rusher. What do you think, Price? What's your vibe? I'm going to go PBR, I guess. Uh, you know, we, we've kind of already talked about him a little bit, but the only thing you're getting there is like, hey, maybe there's some upside in that he's only been a pass rusher for a year. Um, but other than that, I'm I'm kind of out, especially at pick 31. No way. I'm going Sam Adams. Like I said, I get it. I understand it. Is he my favorite player? No, but I understand. I, I, I see what people like in him. Um, so I'm going to go Keon White. He's going to be a Sam Adams for me. And that wraps up our vibes. Let us know in the comments or let us know on, on Twitter what you think about our, our, our vibe scores and if you disagree with them or we weigh off on anybody. Um, we're we're going to wrap up here in a second, but first we're going to, we haven't done it in the last couple of weeks, so we're going to get to it. Our sleeper of the week, Price, who is your sleeper of the week? Who is the guy that most people don't know about that we haven't really talked about on this podcast that you want people to know about? I'm going to be covering Charlie Jones, a wide receiver from Purdue. Uh, 5'11", 175 pounds, as it kind of goes with this wide receiver class, a little bit undersized. He led all of FBS in receptions. He was an all-Big Ten player, second-team All-American. One thing that I really like about Charlie Jones is in high school, he was diagnosed with cancer and was able to overcome that and still uh, you know, play FBS football. Um, he also, one thing that's interesting about him is that with looking at his size, you wouldn't really think, oh, this is a contested catch guy. Some of this might be the scheme. Some of it might be quarterback play. But he actually led all of FBS in contested catches and still only had three drops. Um, he's a he's a guy who just finds space and gets open. Uh, he kind of feels similar to Puka Nakua. He's not quite as big as Nakua is for me, another draft crush of mine, and also has some flexibility in the return game. Uh, Charlie Jones is a, probably a day three wide receiver, but I really like his upside. You can go back on my Twitter, I think in November, when I first started looking at prospects, and... I just went online and I said, okay, who's leading the league in receiving? Who's leading the college football in receiving right now? And who's going to be in the draft? And let me watch him. And I watched Charlie Jones and I came away utterly impressed. I think he's your Wes Welker type of guy. All he does is run routes, get open and catch footballs. Like he's not, he's, he's fast enough. He's big enough, but he's not overly fast. He's not overly big, but the man just knows how to find space, get open and catch footballs. I am, before I loved A.T. Perry, I loved Charlie Jones. And I don't think I would take Charlie Jones, you know, in the first or second round by any means. But if he ends up, you know, in the fourth, in the third or fourth round on and and he's a Kansas City Chief, I'm not going to be upset. I think Charlie Jones is going to be a very productive wide receiver in this league for he's never he's that guy's gonna have a 10 year career of averaging about 750 to 900 yards every single season, I think. And so I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, my sleeper of the week is going to be Chris Rodriguez Jr. Uh, running back out of Kentucky. Um, he ran a four, five, two 40 at his, uh, at his pro day, uh, which is fast enough for a guy, his size. He's like, he's six foot, about 217 pounds. He is a, he's a three down running back. Who's been very, very productive um, during his time at Kentucky um, he's, he's a guy that, that, that when you watch him on tape, he makes the hard look easy, um, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but 
but it just looks effortless. Like when he's breaking tackles, when he's running, when he when he when, he, when he's running through the hole, everything just looks smooth and like it's not hard for him. Um, last year he had 904 yards rushing. 672 of those yards came after contact. Right, he he forced 64 missed missed tackles. Uh, he's a guy who. Who, who who just is a bell cow. He ran for 1300 yards in 2021. Um he's he he doesn't do a lot in the receiving game or wasn't asked to do a lot in the receiving game, but he's just a guy that when you watch him and you come away, you think this is a guy that I can get in day 3 that's going to be a that's, that's going to that's going to be able to give me similar production to a guy like Isaiah Pacheco would give me honestly. Um, and so if you wanted to pair him Pacheco up, I think you'd have a great tandem there. Yeah, Kentucky really pounds the rock too. So, you know, he's guy's got a, a heavy workload under his belt and, you know, it's got a lot of reps underneath him. No, 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 for sure. For sure. All right. So that's going to that's gonna about about wrap us up for today. Um, thank you so much for uh, hanging with us and and going through our uh, going through our vibes and talking our top 30 visits and our and our underdogs and everything today, um, as always. You know, if you feel like 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 we've done well with the privilege of your time, which I thank you for always, um, go ahead and drop us a five star review. Uh, if you don't think we're doing great, still drop us a review and uh, give us some feedback. We love feedback. Um, as always, the editor show will be out this Wednesday with uh, the two best that, that we have at Arrowhead Pride, our our, our, our leaders, uh, the editors uh, Pete and John, and then Ron Top Cop Junior. It's gonna be it's gonna be out again with another AP draft room episode coming up on Friday. And then stay tuned, guys. We're getting we are getting close to the draft, which means that we are ramping up our content. We're gonna be having some prospect profiles just hitting it like bam, bam, bam on the site this next upcoming week. So if you want to get a little bit more in-depth study on some of the guys we've been talking about, keep your eyes open to the site. We got some some great stuff coming up. I'm Rocky Magania, um, at Rocky Magania on Twitter. This is Price Carter at Arrowhead Price. Price, any parting words for the people? Just be well, man. We got, you know, only a few more weeks. We only got one more show left until the draft. Crazy. It's insane. One more show before the draft, and it's going to be a great one. It's going to be a... a a big sham bam kazow extravaganza. So look forward to it. Uh, thank you very much once again. Everybody had a great week and be well. Bye. <laughs>